Hi, everybody. So we recorded this episode a few months ago, and we really enjoyed the conversation with Lucia and Jason. And unfortunately, we had no idea that they were about to close their doors, all due to some construction projects happening in the city of Healdsburg that just really hurt their business. And we're super sad that they are no longer in business. But we wanted to publish this episode anyway, because they are great people, and they really had a great thing going for for as long as it was there. Um, and who knows, they may pop up somewhere else. And and in the meantime, um, even though you can't go to Cafe Lucia anymore, if you head up to Wine Country in California, please check out Tasca Tasca and also La Salette. So again, even though you can't uh, go to Cafe Lucia anymore, I hope that uh, you will still enjoy this episode with uh, Lucia and Jason. Enjoy. Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott, and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz, and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Our Portuguese Table. Bom dia, Maria. How are you, my dear? Bom dia, querida. I am fine. I'm fine. Good. Uh, Good. Today, I'm really excited of, um, of today's uh, participants in our, our podcast. Yeah, so you got excited. to cook with them, right? I you did. Visited I them. did. I got to cook with them the last time I was there in California. I got to be at the cafe. I got to meet Lucia. I got to meet Manuel. I got to meet Jason. So, and, and more than anything, I got to eat there too, which was lucky, lucky, amazing. Yeah. So let's, let's bring in our guests. We have owner of Cafe Lucia in Healdsburg, California, which is in wine country up here up North. Lucia Azevedo Fincher owner. Hi, Lucia. Hi there. Hello from Sonoma County. How are you? <laughs> good, good. And then we have Jason Santos, who is currently the director of administration, but started as the chef, and he'll tell us all about how his role has evolved there, because I know he still plays a big role in, in the food part. And welcome, Jason. Hi, ladies. Pleased to be here. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, I it's been awesome watching uh, Lucia, you and Manuel, kind of build this this. I don't want to call it an empire together, but sort of is. I mean, it's it's been really cool because, you know, Manuel has <clears throat> La Salette and then Tasca Tasca. But in between that, he ventured out with you and opened Cafe Lucia in Healdsburg, which is kind of a, a risk. And I'd love to hear about your path because there's no Portuguese people up there, really. I mean, there's Portuguese people like no. Petaluma and like kind of in the area, but it's not. I mean, you're you're relying almost, I would say, 100% on on an American crowd, right? So. Yes. Um, for the most part, you know, a lot of locals and tourists. and uh, But we do get quite a few Portuguese folks that uh, make the trip up make on the weekends. Sure. That's why we, we, make, we, we make a point to stay open on all day on Saturdays and Sundays um, because they'll come up for, you know, we just had a, a family come up from Antica the other day. We get folks from San oh, Jose. Cool. So we, we really appreciate the Portuguese support. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome to hear. So why don't you tell us how it all came to be? Yeah, tell us your story, hon. <laughs> tell us your story. So um, I grew up in the town of Sonoma. So that's where our flagship restaurant is. Um, 
Lafayette, as you know, and my brother and his wife own that. And then uh, I met my husband about 25 years ago, and he was born and raised in Healdsburg, so moved here and always just wanted to open a Portuguese restaurant in my new hometown. You know, I got tired of that drive to Sonoma. It's only about 45 minutes, but still, you know, you want to have a little bit of Portuguese wine with your meal. <laughs> so um, this, this space opened up, and for me, it just, the timing just worked out. My daughters were at, in high school at that point, and it was just mom's time, you know, and so I called my brother. We, we'd had a lunch, uh, I would say a couple months before, my brother Emmanuel and I, and La Salette and had quite a bit of being there then. And so I wouldn't it be fun to open a Portuguese restaurant in, you know, in Hillsburg. And then this spot opened up and it just kind of all fell into place really. Oh, that's awesome. And so we've, we've been here in December. It, it was five years in December that we've been here. So. Five years already. I feel like it just and opened. It, yeah. It's such a beautiful place. It really is. And Angela and I were talking before, you know, I had a wonderful time when I was there. I got to meet all of you and you let me in your kitchen to cook. And yeah, to it was great to have you. You were like a celebrity for us. <laughs> it, was, it was just an amazing time. And we got to film an episode, um, part of the episode for Maria's Portuguese Table there. And I got to cook with Chef Manuel. And it was just everyone there was, was just so sweet and nice. And the meal that we got to make and eat and enjoy was just fantastic. I mean... Just great, just great. I have wonderful, wonderful, wonderful memory of. Uh, well, of yeah. thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you here, and and yeah, our, I would say our team. You know, it really is like a family here. We're definitely a family owned. My daughters work the business. You know, my youngest daughter started. I mean, sorry, my oldest daughter started as a buster, and now she's a server. My youngest daughter is a buster and works as a host. And you know, sometimes in a pinch, they get you know they're on call. You know, we something comes up and we need an extra hand or someone's not feeling well and they're just they're right there and my biggest fans for sure mm, that's awesome I, I also love how when you come into it you have like it's uh, almost like an outdoor patio but it's really indoor kind of thing but it looks outdoor it has that nice feel to it and then when you come in you see those huge, beautiful pictures, <laughs> hydrangeas, and you see the the pictures from the islands, and it's just like, oh my goodness! I, it's it feels very much at home for someone who is Portuguese. Like yeah, I would say that the transported is what what I would love for people to mm -hmm. feel, and I think that's that's what happens when uh, we, especially when we get the Portuguese guests come in and they're, they love to point out how, you know, where they've been. And it's just, it's a really great conversation piece. And yeah, our courtyard area, it's, it's really popular. We, we hold rehearsal dinners or private events there. Um, it's, it's just really a, a little oasis, I think. Now, so, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Angela. I was just going to say before all of this, you know, the, the empire, as Angela likes to call it, <laughs> before this empire, where did it all begin? Where did your, where did your family come from? Um, so my family is from St. George. So my two oldest brothers, you know, Manuel and my other brother was born there. And then um, my parents immigrated and I was born here. So I always, I joke that I'm a welcome to America baby. And so, you know, we're first generation American and all the things that come with, with that. Um, my parents wanted to come here for, you know, the original plan was to come make a little money and then go back home. And 
by the time they went back home, they had four kids because uh, my youngest brother came along a few years later and they went back home and then were there for a couple months and then ended up coming back. And then of course, like most um, immigrants, you know, their dream was to buy a home, which they, they eventually did. And so in Sonoma, and then that's just where we settled. So I, I lived in Sonoma since I was about seven. Oh, um, wow. And since Manuel was about, was about nine. So, yeah, that's so I've been living in Sonoma County my whole life. Well, first I've been all, fortunate enough to go back to San George, so. You're, you're Portuguese, you're, I should say, you're American made with Portuguese parts. Is that what they call it? So, yes, you know, that's, <laughs> yes, for sure. Now you yeah, have, we, we joke that I was maybe somewhere along the, the, the way. I wonder, we're not really sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have four, you have, there's four siblings, there's four in all in the family. Only the two of you, Manuel and yourself, are in the restaurant business. Are the other two also involved? They're not currently, but they actually, um, at some point in their lives, my other brother did own a restaurant. It wasn't Portuguese. Um, and then my other brother um, also did, worked in catering. And then I think they just got smart and went on to other things. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it could kind of, it's a crazy business and it kind of calls you in a way. Sometimes I think, oh, I wish I had, it, was, it would have been easier if I had a different dream. But, you know, what are you going to do? So Yeah. If it's what you love, it's what you love, right? And you have to love yeah, it yep. because you live, Absolutely. breathe, and everything. And so how did how did Jason get brought into this? How, how did uh, you find him? Or Jason, how did you find uh, Lucia? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, find each other. It's interesting. So I, I grew up in Watsonville, which is uh, a few hours south from here. And the first time I ate at La Salette was actually because my, my now wife, uh, was going to Sonoma State uh, University. I came to visit her, and we drove the you know thirty minutes to the only Portuguese restaurant north of the Golden mm-hmm. Gate at the time. Had a great meal there, and this was long before I ever had really decided on cooking. I always been around food and cooked at home, but not professionally. Fast forward a couple years later, I uh, go to the Culinary Institute in um, Napa. In, at Greystone, and then uh, started dodging with Chef Manuel at La Salette after school uh, once a week. And I did that for uh, a little over a year, going to La Salette and just kind of training and, and just being around the restaurant and the food for, for fun, really. And then as I was graduating, I was talking to Chef Manuel one night there uh, at the restaurant. And he, uh, he said, you know, what's, what's your plan going on? This was a few months before I graduated. And I said, you know, I I don't really know. I'm, I'm actually pretty nervous. And, and he posed the question, well, are you worried about finding a job or making the right decision? And my response was, well, I, I'd love to worry about making the right decision if I had a bunch of jobs lined up. But since I don't have any jobs lined up, I'm just worried about getting a job. Mm-hmm. And he kind of said, well, you know, interestingly, you say that, you know, me and my sister are planning on a new restaurant up in Healdsburg. Is that something that you would be interested in, in working for? And and I, when he posed the question, I assumed, okay, I'd, I'd come in, be a cook, do something like that. I really didn't expect I was going to get the, the role that I, that I eventually did. And uh, it was great. And it was perfect timing. I graduated in October. We opened in December. So it was really just the right oh, time wow. to hit the ground running. Uh, and then got to be the opening chef de cuisine here. Did that for um, about two years, two and a half years in the kitchen before uh, being asked to transition my role into kind of a more overseeing role. So now I spend time... Uh, between here and the restaurants in Sonoma and, and do a little bit of everything, uh, 
you know, menu development and still very involved with the food, but also um, recently become a certified sommelier. So I help out with all the wine lists and kind of serve that role as well. And uh, a little bit of the finances and, and really do anything that's asked as best I can. Jason has been awesome. I just wanted to go on, on. He's just been an amazing part of, of the team here, just willing to do whatever. And he's, you know, if, if there's ever a question, it doesn't matter what it is, even if it's a trivia question, it's like, ask Jason, because he knows. He's like, <laughs> well, just, I don't know where I, he gets it, but he knows everything. Can I be honest? When I met all of you, I really, truly felt that Jason was also a sibling of yours. Like, <laughs> well, people, people have asked me that. We don't, I don't think we look alike, but I, people have asked me if he's my son. And at first I thought, why are they asking me that? And no, I thought, well, no, I guess I, would, I am old enough to I, be his mom. I wasn't going to say son. I was thinking he was your brother also, <laughs> as well as Manuel. Yeah. Well, he's definitely a, a family member as far as Manuel and I are concerned, our family is concerned. Absolutely. That is the feeling that I have is Jason is part of your family because uh, you can see the love and respect he has for you, as well as for both of you having that love and respect for him. So I think it's a beautiful match. It truly is. And to be able to give someone like Jason, like you, to be able to say, okay, we want to see have you be part of this and we're going to have you grow and learn the business and learn how, you know, first being the back end and then being in the front end. And then now you're going to be working with the wines and now you're going to be, and it is truly a mark on you on, you know, how they see it in you. They see, oh, they saw it in you, I should say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I will say, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the, uh, the opportunity and, both Lucia and Manuel have been very uh, forthcoming and, and willing to teach me and show me everything I would ever really want to learn or maybe didn't want to learn, but they decided that I should learn <laughs> about the restaurant industry. And, and it's been really an incredible experience. And, and in five years here, I, I think I've learned, you know, definitely more than five years worth of experience just in, in all my different roles and everything that they've uh, they've shared with me. That's amazing. Yeah, well, he's been just willing, like I said, to do anything. And we've learned uh, quite a few things from him. But, you know, we like, I kind of joke that the restaurant is like a a teaching restaurant, you know, like they have teaching hospitals. And we just teach anyone that wants to learn. And, and, you know, he'll eventually probably move on and be, you know, move on to bigger and better things. But at least we could feel like, you know, he he had a good foundation and we exposed him to as much as we could, you know, in, in what we had here. So. And what are some of those things that, that you've learned over the years? Is it, you know, food related, you know, managing a business? What are some of the highlights that you would have to say, like, here are the top five things that I've really have been hit home. For me? Yeah. Or even Lucia, I mean, as a, as a group, you know, with, with running the business, cause I'm sure the menu has evolved, you know, how you run things has probably evolved uh, the catering stuff, you know, and there's so many aspects to a restaurant. <laughs> Maybe we can bounce back and forth. Um, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, we, we opened Cafe Lucia sort of modeled after La Salette in a lot of ways, but knowing all the time that it would sort of carry on its, its own personality. You know, I, I'm here and I want to have my touches. Um, for example, the private events thing is something I enjoy doing um, piece. And then we added Sunday brunch, which has been fun. And I just, I like that. And I just felt like that courtyard was the perfect setting for that. So that was a way to sort of add my personality. The flip side is 
something I didn't really know going into opening a restaurant in Healdsburg, even though I'd lived here all these years and had been following very closely the restaurant climate, is how seasonal um, Healdsburg can be compared to Sonoma. Um, it's just, it's, it really does quiet down here. And so we, we get a little busier in, in the spring and summer, and then we have the fall where everyone wants to come for harvest. Where Sonoma, maybe it's because of its proximity to San Francisco, and also just because it's, and, and, and I guess Napa, and because it's just more known in a lot of ways. I mean, when I moved to Healdsburg, there were a lot of storefronts that were vacant. It was very kind of much, very much a sleepy town, but it's become really a destination location now. But even still, it's very, very seasonal. And so that's something I didn't know going in to it that, um, that I wish I'd known. Because <laughs> January gets really lonely up here. So but we're, we're past that. We're, we're happy to be in February. And that's the, right. it's and a beautiful really, day here. And you had Valentine. Oh, it was Valentine's Day yesterday. Even yeah. This, this yeah. Gonna, that's, you know, another yeah. time you're probably putting that on. But yeah. and that is the date for a restaurant. That's the kickoff. Yeah, that's when we start to kind of kick off, and especially when we're having gorgeous weather like we are in Sonoma County. But and then just another thing that's along this that that I want to mention is I think that everyone knows that we had the the wine country fires that took place, the wildfires that yeah. took place last October. Uh, it was actually the night of Jason's wedding. Uh, he was off to Portugal and left us dealing with that, so he doesn't get to experience that on his uh, resume. I like. <laughs> I, I like to say that I leave the area for five minutes and the whole place can bust. Literally, <laughs> literally. Um, so, so what what happens in, in Sonoma County or with that is obviously the restaurants are fine. Uh, they were we did have to close for different periods, especially the ones in Sonoma, because there was areas of evacuation and whatnot. But for for the industry and for for us here in, in wine country, it's been more of a. a financial as far as you know folks just need to really come out and support Sonoma County's fine it's as beautiful as ever there's some areas of course that were hit and they're rebuilding and they're really resilient so uh, I would love to see uh, more folks come up this way so going back and then going back to the original question I think my answer is a little more tongue-in-cheek because you know having gone to school you know I had sauteed fish before it wasn't that I was necessarily learning how to cook per se but uh, but some things that they don't teach you in culinary school, uh, like uh, refrigerator maintenance, um, <laughs> things like that, which, I mean, I really think that they should add that to, like, just general equipment maintenance would be a great tool mm-hmm. to have. And uh, and a lot of the more behind-the-scenes stuff, the, the marketing aspect, the bookkeeping aspect, uh, those things that, you know, they may touch on in culinary school and you might get in different aspects, but you don't really get to it until you really see and crunch the numbers and, and work with QuickBooks and build a POS system and, and those things that have just really been eye opening for me. Mm, right. You know, they have, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, down deep, they're thinking, Oh, one day I'd love to open a restaurant. And it's a lot, it's a hard work. It is very, you know, knowing from, family members who have been in the restaurant business that is long gone since closed, but they did it for many years. It is yeah, very hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like, it's manual labor. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, I, I kind of joke about that, but, but it goes back to the, it, it calls you, it's, it's a passion project. It's great to see it build. It's the family that you build together. It's the guests that come in. I mean, I had, you know, I remember when we first opened, 
uh, there was a table and I walked up to her and just to say hello. And the woman was crying and I just, I didn't know what to think, right? Because you just open a restaurant, you're thinking, oh no, I could see the Yelp review, you know? <laughs> and she was crying because she was having the bacalao and it reminded her of her grandmother and she was so um, touched by that and the memory and she was just sharing it with me. And it gives me the chills just now saying that, but that's why we do it. You know, we do it because we want to celebrate our culture and heritage. And like we were talking before, there's not a lot of um, Portuguese folks around us, but we always embraced our culture. And then it, food was just the, the way to, to carry it on and share that with everyone. And that so that's kind of, so you, know, you know, you know, I'm like holding the Portuguese flag kind of thing. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And and it, you're absolutely right. There are certain memories in our lives and usually there is food involved in that. So that when we have that food, whether it's the smell, the taste, the it just really does put you back into that moment with your loved ones, with your at that table, at that Portuguese table. Mm-hmm. And food is, is huge. That is a huge, uh, mm-hmm. food memories, I think, are one of the largest memories you, you can have. It's something that gets triggered when, when things like that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's yeah. one, and, and that you celebrate it. And it's, and you're right, it's, it is like waving our flag. And yeah. I, I know how proud we all are of who we are. And, um, and that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. Now, let me ask you this. What is the best like let's say your two top dishes that you have there that people go oh my god this is this is definitely like mom oh I'll feel that one so I think the bacalao I mean is classic right whether it be the the cod cakes the the bowling bacalao mm-hmm. or the the more traditional what we call the bacalao nofornu which is similar to like a bacalao agonsa nice. um, the casserole those those dishes, I think, really hit home for a lot of a lot of guests that come in, and you know, I think the the Portuguese population up here is is a little more removed. The, the few of us that are living up here than than maybe down in San Jose, where it's a lot more first generation born. Um, where here, it's it's not necessarily that they grew up eating it, but maybe they had it when they went to their their aunt's house or their great aunt's house or their grandmother's house. So the the memories are a little a little more removed and therefore a little more in, ingrained, a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know the forbidden fruit, you know, for some some people. And then uh, and then the other dish that is really really popular and we can attest to how many we sold on Valentine's last night is uh is our arroz de camarão. So we do a, uh, a wild prawn rice with uh, we do it kind of uh, in a more modern take. So we cook it more risotto style. Uh, and it has chorizo in there. It has peas in there. Um, and we make a lobster broth that we cook the rice in. And then it uh, it's finished, which I think really sets it over the top with uh, an uni butter, which is a uh, um, sea urchin, uh, orisu. And then we make that with the garlic butter. And then we fold that into the at the very end, which just really highlights the flavor and, and really makes it pop. Uh, really popular dish here at the restaurant. Oh my God, I did not have that one when I was there. <laughs> Next time. There'll be reason to come back. Next time. I, I also want to just, one other thing is, is I want to comment is, is I, I would go to bread. I, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a carbosaurus, but I, we make our bread every day. We, we call it the, the lacelet rolls. 
And that's something that for me, it, it's, it's, it triggers a memory because I remember my mom making bread every week and holding the pan for her. That was sort of my job. But people really love coming in and getting a nice warm roll. You know, and restaurants have moved away from offering bread in a lot of, in a lot of cases. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a nice little, um, little treat that we offer. And I just, that just starts and we start our morning. That's the first thing we do is get the bread going. It's sort of like, you know, sweeping the, the sidewalk, you know, you can't, you can't open until you, you do that kind of thing. So. Yeah. So they're the, is it the same rolls that are served at La Salette? Cause that yeah. was their, your mom's same recipe. recipe. Right? My mom's recipe, same recipe. Yeah, La Salette awesome. is celebrating 20 years next month. So in March, so, so great. same, wow. same rolls. Yeah. Lots of rolls. I'm going to use that car- that Carbosaurus. Carbosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, my daughter's nicknamed me that. I don't, you know, what, what do you do? Yeah, I love, I love my carbs. So Jason, I know you said that like in culinary school, you know, you learn how to saute fish and stuff like that, but did you already have some experience cooking Portuguese dishes, you know, from your, whether it was at home or your grandmother or anything like that, or did you really learn a lot of the Portuguese dishes when you started working for Emmanuel? Well, I think uh, it's twofold. So growing up, my my parents are oh, are big entertainers. I mean, having people over at the house is a, a weekly thing. It's not uncommon to have 15, 20 people over on a Wednesday night, and that was kind of how uma I grew casa, up. So, uma casa portuguesa, com certeza, right? Oh, <laughs> always, yeah. So there was always a lot of a lot of food going around, but also. Um, my my parents were really involved with the, the local festas down there, so cooking sopas or doing the crab feasts and, and that stuff. They were always the, the cooks. They were always uh, in charge of that. So um, on a more kind of, you know, not necessarily professional, but a more structured setting, I, I grew up with that uh, and having those, those flavors and those smells. I mean, I can still, like, remember the smell of having, like, enough paprika and cumin to season sopas for a thousand people in the back of my car driving, uh, that, that smell, you, it's hard to get out of car. It's hard. It's hard. Um, those memories. So growing up that way, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, my mom and my, both my parents, great cooks, uh, cooked a lot of Portuguese food, but uh, there, there's Azorian. Both of my parents are from San George as well. And, uh, they cooked what they knew for the most part. Going coming here to the restaurant really broadened my my perspective on Portuguese cuisine, and I was able to dig deep in in different aspects of Portuguese food, and and it's very regional and very different from from north to south. And when you talk about Maveda and the islands, and we also have influences here at the restaurant from uh, all the different uh, parts of the Portuguese empire, uh, whether it be uh, you know the Goan clams that were on the the menu at one point, or the the feijoada that's on the menu today. There's a lot of influences in Portuguese cuisine all the way around the world. So uh, being able to tap into that and doing a lot of like you know self study through through books and, and learning and also being able to experiment and and put many uh, dishes on the menu that share our culture in, in lots of different ways uh, has added to that as well. Wow, very cool. That, that is very cool. I, I'm still thinking of the um, the rice with the prawns. I'm just still thinking of that too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll so, we'll overnight some to the yeah, east coast for you. There you go. Oh yeah, that's that's what we want everyone to do. Yeah, <laughs> we want everyone to leave. We want everyone to have that lingering thought, like, oh, that's what I want, or, or, oh, or leave here and wanting to come back. You know? Yes, I want to be there right now. If I could just be there right now, I would. 
<laughs> so we, we talked about um, the memories that food can trigger. And so we always have to talk about food memories with our guests. And so what are um, some of your first food memories or what's your first food memory that you can, you know, go back to your childhood and, you know, doesn't have to be baby food, but what's like that first thing that really <laughs> okay. like sticks out in your you mind? Know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's really my first food memory, but what I remember when I think about childhood and, and the Portuguese um, is type food, obviously. My dad used to always call me the Gata de Marcella because I always loved Marcella <laughs> uh, growing up. Uh, and he loved that I loved it, you know. And I remember going to a cousin's house and they had a matanza and then we'd make Marcella and the whole, just the whole ritual of the, the event. That just, that, that really tr- reminds me. And then I think the other kind of more kind of fun memory, I guess, now, uh, my, my daughters laugh about this one, is I used to tell them that, you know, growing up, we, we were, we lived pretty frugally, you know, and I remember there was a family of six, my parents would pull over, and I don't know if any other Portuguese family has done this, but they pull over and they see fennel, and they just start cutting away at it, and they go, go home and make, right, and go home and make a pot of soup. But when you're like seven, you you think your parents are like picking weeds and they're cooking, you know, they're cooking up weeds and you're thinking, wow, things are pretty, pretty, pretty rough. But um, now, nowadays you could put that on the menu here in Sonoma County and call it foraged and people would salivate over it. Exactly. You know, I have a whole, whole, new, whole new appreciation for fennel. But those are like the two memories, of course. And then I just think, you know, helping my mom make bread or making a lot. Because like I said, I love, I love my carbs. You know, making sweet bread every Easter with the egg inside and um, flores and um is one of my favorite treats. Or um, those are the kind of memories I think of. And and for me, I think aside from like the the smell of the sopush spices in the in the back of the car, those are some <laughs> some early ones. But I think my first cooking memory that I can distinctly remember because obviously it didn't turn out uh, as planned. You know, my both my parents worked. I was a kid, uh, and probably not as PC as it is now. But left home alone, probably eight, nine years old. We had just come back from uh, a trip to San Jose to the Portuguese market up there, uh, which was kind of a, a monthly ritual. We would go and kind of stock up on some supplies, and <laughs> I remember getting. Uh, I remember pleading with my mother. Not pleading. I didn't have to plead too hard, but I asked my mother to get. Um, some packets of uh, Boca dos Flan, which I can uh, picture exactly what it looks like now. It's like a Portuguese jello company. They make puddings, but it's the company's Boca dos and they make a flan. <laughs> so I'm home alone, bored. It's this, it's summer, so I'm not at school. And I think, okay, I'm nine years old. I can make flan. So I look at the instructions and it says, put four cups of milk on the on the burner and bring it to a boil well i had no idea that milk grows as you boil it <laughs> so i put it in a pot that fits four cups just about perfectly Uh-oh. <laughs> and this thing starts growing and growing and i have no idea how to stop it and i turn the, the gas stove off and of course you know like any good portuguese house we had two kitchens one in the garage and one and one in the kitchen <laughs> But I was being a rebel that day, so I used the one in the kitchen. Uh oh! And there was milk, <laughs> literally, oh man, everywhere. 
Everywhere, everywhere. I remember calling my mother and saying, what is going on? This milk won't stop. And it was pour. It was just poured over. There was probably four cups of milk on the floor. And I don't think there was any left in the pot by the time I was done. <laughs> Needless to say, we didn't make flan that day. And I scrubbed as best I could, but my mom was still uh, rather upset when she got home. And then he still went on to culinary school. So there you go. Learned my lesson. Yeah. He knows how to boil milk now. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? And you learn from That's like, right. mistakes, right? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, my, I, I think the reason you were asking about my brothers, we were very exposed to cooking in the kitchen very, very young. It was, it, you know, I don't really remember learning to cook. It was just sort of like walking. It's just like what you do. It's like the natural progression. You know, that, and so it was great. We were exposed to it, and I appreciate that. And I, you know, I also have my daughters very involved with cooking and being comfortable in the kitchen. I think it's important. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, uh, that's something that I think Marie and I have talked about, and I know that I talk about it with my husband and, and some of our friends, that um, I'm just always pretty shocked at the number of people we come across that really don't know how to cook anything. Yeah. Or, or maybe yeah. are just intimidated and then you come to find out that they're maybe their parents or you know especially their moms also don't know how to cook so they didn't teach them or anything like that because I will say everything I know for the most part as far as technique and just how to work your way around a kitchen I learned from my mom and it would be you know I didn't even really ask it would just be like she would say hey Andrew come here I want to show you how to do this just so that you know. And that, so there's things like that that I remember, how to, ground, how to brown beef, how to saute an onion, how to whatever it is. It's like she just would say, hey, you need to come over here and learn this. And those for, things for what it's worth, that doesn't end. For what, yeah, for what it's worth, <laughs> well, even when you're a professional and it doesn't end. And, <laughs> and Jason's mom puts him to work. Yeah, that's good. That's what like a good mother should. And she'll still tell me when I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> that um, will never it end. Sounds like, it sounds like my mom with Manuel. We were over at her house and she was making um, this uh, chicken and rice dish that my brother loves. And I had a little video clip of them because she was still correct. She was correcting him because, you know, it was her recipe and her dish. And I loved it. I loved watching that. It was great. He's like, yeah, mom, I know. I don't. You know, I'm just a chef, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Moms will always win. They always oh, win. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, another thing I was thinking about uh, before we jumped on to record this is uh, because you guys are up in an area where there's, you know, not a lot of Portuguese people. And so I was curious if, you know, do you find that people when they're starting to, oh, what do we want to eat tonight? Oh, you know kind of run down the list of ethnicities that you can choose from, right? Do people kind of throw Portuguese in there? Because I know for us, so we live in Fremont, it's like, so what are we going to eat tonight? Like if we decide we want to go out, oh, I've got, you know, Indian, Korean, Chinese, Afghani, Mexican, and Portuguese never comes up because it's just not within our vicinity, you know? So I'm wondering. Oh, oh, it's not. Yeah. Angela, you got, a hundred thousand Portuguese people in your like immediate access and we've got like a hundred Portuguese people in ours <laughs> so if, if Portuguese isn't on your radar for lunch it's probably not on you know the person up in wine country for uh for the weekend because there's barrel tasting uh it's really been uh a, a, a teaching thing and a lot of the locals have have caught on and and you know we love to see the uh, the growing amount of Portuguese restaurants in California with uh, with Telmo and Umakaza and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yes. the Adega folks down in San Jose. I think it's all yeah. it's all great because 
the more Portuguese restaurants we have, the less likely it is for someone to walk past our menu and, and see, you know, our tagline is Cozinha Nova Portuguesa and think, you know, oh, I've never heard of that or, or what, what is Portuguese food or where's Portugal? You know, I, I'm not feeling like Asian food tonight. Like, wait a second, what? Yeah, and I think that's well, where our reputation comes in, you know, and, and having La Salette, obviously, you know, because they've been there so long, people do know what La Salette is. Um, but, and luckily we have a lot of folks that have traveled and so they are familiar and they are looking for something different, mm-hmm. but, um, but there's still, yeah, I mean, there's still lots of room because if someone hasn't heard about Portuguese food or isn't familiar, they're less likely to try something new on, on, without researching at first, you know, so that's, that's, that's where, where that I was, yeah, I was just curious about the accessibility of it because I mean, frankly, if, if Cafe Lucia was like 10 minutes from us, we'd probably be there at least once a week. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, and yes, you know, people listening to this podcast are from the Bay area. They'd be like, well, San Jose is like right there. And yes, but at dinner time, it takes an hour to get there. Yeah. And so it's, it's hectic. everywhere we go, it's like a destination. You have to make a plan to go versus, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to stay with, within our, you know, 10, 15 minute vicinity. And so Portuguese food just isn't an option for us here. But if it was, like I always joke with Maria, it's probably a good thing I don't live on the East Coast where there's a hundred Portuguese restaurants <laughs> to choose from because I'd probably weigh four or 500 pounds because I'd literally be there like all the time. No, you know. But um, so I was just curious if, if the accessibility yeah. had become more, well, we're, made it more of an option to people. You know what I mean? Like people. I think once it. people have discovered us and then they share it with their friends, just like anything else, you know, and we, we are lucky that we, you know, for lunch, for example, we, we do have a handful of people that come in weekly, you know, that have come in since we opened that are, you know, super loyal and awesome. the local folks, you know, do, do kind of recognize that in winter, the restaurants need a little more love and they, and they're pretty good about sending it our way. So, and we do have a good rapport with our, you know, tasting rooms and retailers in town. And um, Jason touched on the marketing piece earlier. I do a lot of that, just reaching out. It's, it's one of those things, you know, you're working in your business and you, you're also working on your business because we're small. I don't, I don't have a marketing person. So I do a lot of my own and try to reach out, whether it's through Sonoma County Tourism or the Chamber, or, you know, just different things like that, um, different mixers and uh, opportunities just to remind people because, we have a great spot, but it's a little bit tucked away, you know, which is kind of reminds me of that, you know, that European experience, you know, where you're kind of walking along and all of a sudden you, you, there's this cafe, you know, but uh, we do have to remind folks for sure. Yeah. And you know, the good thing in, in all of this is that like, we're talking about it. We have this podcast, we have, you know, we need to constantly be educating everybody about us and what we're doing. And whether it's um, different parts of our culture, and food is a huge part of our culture. And I think once a non Portuguese person tries it or experiments with our food, what is there not to love? I mean, our food is just a very comforting, not fancy, but very, you know, our food is love. Our food is love. And I just see it as the more and more we educate, the more and more our word gets out, the more and more uh, people will want it. And, and that, is, that is what I hope for. And I know, I know Angela feels the same way. Um, and we do too. And I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I, I, I say, you know, we're here to educate. Yeah. Um, because it's true. It's true. People do need to be 
kind of aware. And I think once they give it a chance or, or give it a second look, they do realize like, hey, that sounds great. I love this. And, yeah. and then they have a new discovery, you know. And I think well, one thing that's uh, that's changed in the last few years, too, is we get a lot more guests coming to the restaurant that have uh, have been to Portugal. And they've traveled there mm-hmm. and had a great experience. And they, they come in and they say, oh, you know, I had this dish and I was there and I, I, I want to experience that again. Can I have this salted cod again? And I said, you've come to the right spot. Uh, right. So that happens a, a lot more often than maybe it did even even five years ago when we when we opened. And I'm sure definitely when, when Manuel opened La Salette, I don't think traveling to Portugal was really on a whole lot of people's radar. But as, uh, as things change, people are becoming more aware. And that's all great as well. Right. And another thing I would say kind of along those lines about awareness or people just kind of embracing is our father night. Um, we, we've done one every year and it's that this last year we had, we had it set for, I believe October 15th. And because of the fires, we actually had to cancel it or, you know, reschedule it. And it is, we sold out pretty quickly. And then I had to move it to a date in December December, right? And it sold out again, and there was a wait list. Um, so it w- that really told me that this was catching on, and people are getting familiar, and people ask about it a lot if we're doing another one. And that's, you know, just from the time when we opened and how much I had to promote that from the first event to now, I, you know, I send a newsletter out, and next thing I know, we're sold out, you know. So it says a lot about, I think, the progression of, of, of how people are picking up on it and the awareness. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, that's, great. that's great to hear. I mean, because uh, especially in an area, again, where there's not a lot of familiarity with Fadu, but the fact that a Fadu night sells out where you are, that's, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes. That actually yeah. speaks volumes. And, and, it, and I know we've said this before in other, other um, podcasts we've had, but being from the East Coast, I truly am spoiled. I am spoiled um, because I can pick and choose so many from so many different Portuguese restaurants. So going to California where I know there is a huge number of Portuguese people that are there, there there's, I mean, granted, it's, but it's a huge state and everyone is spread out and it literally would take me an hour or two to get from one, you know, from one little place to the other. And of course, you know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, we can be here and then we can go there. <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah. And, and it, then, it looks close on the map, right? <laughs> yes, it looks so close. And then you get there and it's like, oh my God. So when I was up in Gustine, yeah, when I was in Gustine, I had asked someone there who would just happen, you know, they saw the cameras around me and all that stuff. And, and then we started talking. And of course, it wasn't being recorded, but they were asking me and I was like, okay, so here is there like a Portuguese restaurant you can go to? And they start laughing at me. And they're like, uh, oh, you know, only if we, you know, drive, you know, so many hours to one. I'm like, so what do you do? They're like, we cook at home. Oh you know, it's like, you know, where's, where's their Portuguese bakery? And they start laughing again. It's like, uh, it's like two hours that way now. And it's like, so what do you do? They're like, we bake at home. You know, so it's, it's a type of thing where people in the East Coast have no idea. Preach, Maria. Preach. Just how lucky, <laughs> just how lucky we are. But in the meantime, when you go over to the West Coast and you go visit there, you better go see those Portuguese businesses. 
And you better go support them, even though it might take you an hour to get from here to there. Because guess what? They're amazing. They're doing amazing things out there. Mm -hmm. And and we have to be proud of what is ours. We have to be Mm -hmm. proud of what is ours and support what is ours. That is, I will shout it from the rooftop and I will get on my little soapbox and I will, because we need to do that. We need to support each other. End of story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bond final. Bond final. You know, it's, uh, it, we, we can't say that enough. We can't say it enough. All I can say is for someone who's been there or who, uh, who, who was a couple of the different restaurants of Manuel and then going to your restaurant there, I, I loved it. And I can't wait to go back. And I have friends of mine who are going to Petaluma uh, this uh, yeah. This month, and I'm like, hey, you can go to, you know, and at the same time, you're in Cataluma, you can go see Ashadinga Cheese, because, you know, that's another one, you know, the Pacheco family. That's right. Like, yeah, yeah family. we're not that, it's not too far apart, yeah. No. And well, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we do, we do need to support one another, absolutely. Uh, it's funny you say that, because I thought about it, that if we had removed La Soleil, for example, for the, before we opened here, uh, yeah, where would I go get Portuguese food other than cooking it or going to my mom's house, you know, the really, I, I kind of taken it for granted too, that it was, it's always sort of been a, available, mm-hmm. but uh, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, There's a little part of my head that says, you know, for those that live in the East coast that want to open a Portuguese restaurant and you, you know what? Go move out West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Every time. Let's start opening yeah. up off here and there so that it isn't two hours between, you know, or four yeah. hours between a restaurant. You know, there's just, uh, yeah, it, the need is there. The need mm-hmm. is there. Sure. I, I just see it as that. I, I really do. So, so what's next, guys? I mean, it sounds like you're going to maybe have some more Fado nights in the future, but anything else on the horizon that you want to share with our listeners about? I don't know, maybe new menu items or anything. I don't know. I think, well, our brunch is still fairly, fairly newish. Um, and that's, that's been a fun way to introduce actually folks to Portuguese food who maybe are, are, are a little unsure because our, our, our full menu, lunch menu is available at the same time. And then a really popular item on our brunch menu is the Francesina sandwich. Yes. Um, so oh, folks yeah. Like, folks like yes. that. It's per- and that's perfect for brunch. Um, and then this year, really, it's, I, I'm, I'm working, we're working together more to, uh, with the events and, and some catering. So that's kind of the direction we were thinking about taking um, now that we kind of have some, our legs under us a little bit is, is the plan going forward. Anything you have to add, Jason? Yeah, just t- touching on the brunch menu, I think, you know, I, I helped develop some of those items and it's, it was a, it was a fun thing because they're kind of classic breakfasty brunchy items with a Portuguese twist on them. So we do uh, a Portuguese French toast and we, we make it with uh, homemade masa sabada, yes. um, which is, oh which my is God, that's it. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, our, our eggs Benedict um, rather than using like an English muffin, we use our, our rolls, which Lucy talked about earlier and they've got linguisa on them. And then it's a piri piri hollandaise sauce over the top of that. So there's a lot of kind of Portuguese influences on the menu, but it's still somewhat approachable. So it's kind of like a Portuguese food with training wheels. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> the piri piri hollandaise sauce. So I've always loved the eggs, bandits, and holiday sauce, but 
the peri peri hollandaise sauce. Oh my gosh, it is it is just so good. Love it. I, we look forward to setting. I think I put it on the menu just because I want to have Sunday brunch. You know. <laughs> you know. Well, hey, whatever works. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the the French toast with masa cevada, which is amazing. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. But the other day, I was talking to, uh, and we've talked about this before, but using what we have left over and making it bread pudding. And mm-hmm. I, I make bread pudding out of so much different things. And one of the things, and Angela had said, Maria, do you have a picture of it? I'd love to see how it looks. <laughs> and I said, you know what? When I made it, everyone ate it so fast, I had no time to even take a picture. But that was, I made masadish or fiyush. And, uh, okay. and so I had made some. And usually when I make some, it it's gone. I mean, I have no leftover of it. But for whatever reason, I had extra and in, in my home we call it molasadish from because I'm from San Miguel and that's what we call it and so I had right. also, I had extra molasadish so I made bread pudding from molasadish hmm. and let me tell you it was <laughs> incredible I can't even imagine does doesn't sound gluttonous at all, Maria. Doesn't sound gluttonous at all. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm on a C diet, uh, all you can see diet kind of thing, a seafood diet. <laughs> yeah. Seafood diet. Yeah, all I that's, that's, yeah, that's why we immediately bonded yeah. when you were here. And, 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 our, our, and when your husband and your husband and my husband met, they, they bonded too because they were like, they, we, they're married to some crazy Portuguese. Gals, yes, they you know? are. <laughs> <laughs> They got a lot as uh, well. <laughs> so they I did. Do have- but yeah, and, and I and I would just say just that my yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without without my husband's support. So he's the the most Portuguese non-Portuguese man I've ever met. I mean, he he's super supportive. Would would probably move to Portugal in a heartbeat, you know, that kind of thing. He just he loves everything about it. Yeah, it, this is, this is, now Angela, I don't think you knew this. So of course, our husbands meet and they, so of course, now we're talking one spot and our husbands are off to the side and they're talking away and, you know, they're sharing, you know, whatever and stuff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I would move to, I would move to Portugal. I love, I love everything about it. And my husband's oh, me too. I would do that too. So it was like they, they, like they had known each other for like forever and they were like the same. They felt the same. (laughs) Yeah. And your wife. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife. Yeah. My wife too. It was funny. The power of Supervoc. The power of Supervoc. Yes. (laughs) And Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you both are very lucky to have found non-Portuguese who have embraced the culture because you know, unfortunately, some people that used to be very involved in the community, you know, then find a, a non-Portuguese uh, spouse and, it, you know, they come around for a little bit, but eventually they sort of get bored with it. And then, you know, the person becomes less involved. So I think you you all chose quite well <laughs> when finding your spouse. Um, yeah, that was part of the, that was part of the deal. I, I came with a cat and you had to be embrace the Portuguese culture. That's, that's you know, you know, you know, we've. We've had, you know, we've had two daughters in the festage. I mean, he's, you know, it's like he's That's right awesome. there, whatever we need. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. So you told him about the conversion ritual that we have and, you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right, right. So I actually did have one suggestion for your brunch menu. Um, just try it at home. Yeah. And uh, if you like it, you know, give it a try. But Faringeta or Alieta, either one with scrambled eggs. Or make an omelet out of it. 
So good. So uh, when oh. when the fire was happening here, I was on my I was on my honeymoon, and there's a restaurant in uh, Lisbon called uh, Taberna Rua das Flores, and then I'm not sponsored by them, but go to that restaurant. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> and they had their take on farinheira yolsh, and it was just um, a just a simple omelet, just I mean as classic right? as it could be, and then inside the omelet, three bright orange egg yolks, just raw. And it was the most amazing thing, just creamy, like salty, sweet because of how delicious those yolks were. It was just, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite breakfast dishes for sure. Wow. Yeah, we, we Is had that it similar to how you made yours, Angela? Well, we first had it at a restaurant and I forget the name, but it's at Kempukinu in Lisbon. So the Bullring in Lisbon, you know, they've remodeled it many years ago to have lots of restaurants and shops and things like that. And it's a it's a restaurant mm-hmm. that serves uh, tapas, uh, like tapas style mm-hmm. food. And they had the um, it's basically just, you know, they kind of mix it around together. It's, it's scrambled eggs with uh with some farinheira and my husband and I had it and we literally almost fell out of our chairs. It was so good. So then we've done it a couple of different ways here. We've done it where it's more of like a, a scramble, but then we've also done it uh-huh. as, a, as a classic omelet. I think I personally like the scramble better, but either way, it's just, Oh my God, to die for. And the thing is with farinheira, you know, because it's kind of, it's got that mushy texture. Some yeah. American people may be like, Oh, it's kind of mushy, but the flavor, Oh, it is just to die for. It sounds so good. It sounds get, like we'll have to explore that for sure. Yeah. Do some recipe testing. Yeah, yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> oh, definitely. That is one of my favorite parts. Whenever doing a, enough, uh, a different recipe for book two, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, today it's testing. Mm-hmm. And then my neighbors know about that when I'm testing because I go oh. over. <laughs> Do they volunteer? Oh, uh, let us know when you're uh, testing. Yeah. I will, I'll be your I want to be your, I want to be your neighbor. For sure. For Come sure. on up. I want to go, I want to go, Maria, I want to go on the road with you next time you're on the road. Okay. I'll, I'll carry your bag. Yeah. <laughs> I'll help your husband out. Well, you know what? Next time when we go, um, we're already talking about season two and we haven't even put on season one yet, but we're already talking season two and season two. I want to go to San Jorge. I want to nice. go to Tercera and I want to go to Pico. And uh, so, but I guess when we're in Tercera or Pico, we can go to Feal. So let's like, a, a, uh, we can go there too, but those are the places we want to go. And I want to go back to California. I want to go back. Yes, we'd love to have you. I'd love to see you. Oh, God, I loved it. Loved it. It's it's a balmy 70 degrees right now, so bring a light jacket. (laughs) Oh, oh, you know how to hurt a gal. Oh, my God. Jason Jason and Lucia, I have to say, I I rub it in. I rub the weather into Maria all the time because (laughs) she's spoiled with the food. And we're spoiled with the weather. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, yeah. we're we're yeah. 35 degrees today, folks. 30. Oh my gosh. No, on the way in today, like I see hot air balloons. I mean, it's just gorgeous, you know, in the mountain backdrop. It's just like, you know, it's going to be a good day when you see hot air balloons in the morning in February. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. That's, that's beautiful. All right. Well, well, folks, I I hate to uh, be the bearer of bad news, but we we've reached our our hour. I mean, oh my god, have we? Yeah, we have. have We've been going for an hour. Time flies. 
it does fly. And as much as we would love to keep chatting and chatting and chatting, we've talked about <laughs> we've talked about reducing the time of our, yeah, of our podcast in the past. <laughs> we we certainly can't do that because no, we no, you really know what? This has been about a anything. wonderful podcast. Yeah. I, I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on. I know how busy you guys are, and for you to take the time out to talk to Angela and I, it means so much to us. No. It was a pleasure and an honor. And I thought, I think we did pretty well not talking over each other for being Portuguese. <laughs> yes. Great, Brad. We can start yes. now. <laughs> we can start now. Yeah. <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, that's why we have Scott. He, he's, he's, uh, you know, he can calibrate and, and make some of us a little more silent than others. But, uh, you know, yeah, when no. people are like, uh, it's like, are they yelling? No, they're just Portuguese. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's right. right. That's right. But uh, no, we certainly thank you for your time. Um, and we thank our listeners for always hanging in there with us for the full hour. And we hope it's uh, as entertaining for them as it is for us to have these conversations, whether you're listening while you're cooking in the kitchen or on a drive somewhere or at work. Uh, we hope that we've brought some good laughs and uh, to your day and maybe even jog a memory or two because uh, it certainly does for us every time we yes. have these conversations. Yeah, this, uh, it, this has it been wonderful. Back. Yeah, so, it, so if you haven't been to Cafe Lucia, please visit up in Healdsburg. You can find their information online at www.cafelucia.net. Menus are there beautiful, beautiful pictures, everything. So pay them a visit, tell them we sent you, tell them Murray and Angela sent you and uh, you'll get a good Portuguese hug and kiss from both. <laughs> and um, so hey, whatever it takes. Yes. <laughs> but thanks, thanks ladies. We're, we're, so, we're Thank so you. proud of you. Keep up the great work. Yes, so proud of you. Well, and, uh, thank you. Yeah, okay. yeah. All so right. Thanks, everybody. And okay. uh, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please do so. And please take a few minutes to write us a review on iTunes. Uh, it really does uh, make a big difference in having other people find the podcast. And uh, please share with friends and family. Uh, spread the word because it's all about sharing information, sharing our talents, and sharing the good work that our community is doing. So with that, thanks, everybody. And até a próxima. Até a próxima. Até a próxima, querida. Tchau. Oh, tchau. Obrigada. Adeus. Bye. Adeus. Tchau. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até, Até a próxima! próxima.